Well, welcome to episode number two of New Spring Conversations. Well, in this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about our upcoming church survey, what that is about and um, what we're kind of hoping to receive from it. I'm going to have a chat with the incredible Chelsea Horner about an interesting course that we as a staff have been through, but we're also running with some of the dads in the life of our church. It's all about sexuality and gender, you know, those topics that the church hates to talk about. And then I give some thoughts about our current series and how it should be shaping us as New Spring Church. Hope it helps. Well, on October 1, which is only a couple of days away now, we are going to be sending out a church survey um, to everyone in our church, and we're really wanting you to participate in this. And you may be wondering why we're actually sending out a church survey, and there's at least three reasons, which I think would be um, summed up with three words, um, which are these, engagement, assumptions, and journey. Um, firstly, engagement. Engagement is an interesting word because all of us are living in a world that is more connected than any other generation has ever come before us. We have globalization, we have um, so much technology, and we live in a networked world. And what you would think is that because we're so um, connected, we'd be so engaged. But ironically, the opposite is true. Engagement is something that we have ironically lost um, in our current generation. And it's something that I really think we need to fight for. Engagement is all about being present, not allowing life to pass by and um, not allowing time to simply slip through our fingers. And I feel that all of us have probably had times when we feel exactly that. Engagement is something we need to work at as spouses, as parents, as employees, employers, and especially as the church, because the church is a really unique place set on, the, on, on planet Earth. It is the place with whom God dwells, and we are also supposed to be the justice of God here on earth, those who demonstrate and push out his good new creation as he's renovating this world. And if you think about the nature and the purpose of the church, I would dare say that the enemy's strategy for the church is to cause distraction, to cause indifference, and inevitably to actually ensure that the church is really, really disengaged. So we want this survey to be a reminder to every person that we need to not be those who simply go to church, but we actually are the church and we must fight ferociously against indifference. So we actually want this to be a catalyst and a tool for us as New Spring Church to be um, engaged in greater measure. The second thing is assumptions. Assumptions are a big thing. You know what they say about assumptions, don't you? Um, well, as a church gets bigger and has new faces coming in and out, it becomes more difficult to hear from every person, even though um, every person's voice actually holds the same weight. And we would love to hear from every person, but this simply doesn't happen. And um, don't get me wrong, every church, as a, like New Spring Church, as with every church, does have its loud voices. You better believe there are some loud voices at New Spring, and um, they get heard all the time, but it's usually the quiet voices, um, the reserved voices, the voices that just simply come and go and um, have some great thoughts, but don't really have the opportunity to contribute or don't necessarily have the mechanisms on which to, um, to have their voice heard. Well, we want to actually hear from every person in our church. We want to actually hear the thoughts that you have um, and 
know that just even one simple thought could open up a brand new door for our church. But we actually don't want to lead this church with assumptions. We need to have um, just a greater idea as to what we're thinking, how we're journeying, and um, what we're um, how we're doing as a church. So um, we're hoping that this will actually help us as a leadership to alleviate some of the assumptions that um, you know invariably you always make. So it's going to be very helpful in that regard. And the last one is journey. Um, journey is a really important one for me. And um, over the last two months, as I've been back in a full-time capacity, you would have heard me raise the value of church family. Over the last five decades or so, we have, as the Western Church, we have had our church imagination bombarded with a vision that church is this sermon-centric event which happens on Sunday mornings. And um, if you look around the Western world, that's generally what you get. In fact, uh, KPIs are about church attendance, they're about like um, tithing, they're about like um, connect groups, they're all about these um, the, the, these things. And that's only really eventuated over the last um, uh, 50 years or so. It's really interesting to see that the um, vision of the New Testament church is actually not this. We've been learning over the last three years that the vision of the New Testament church is that of family, that we would actually come together as brothers and sisters who belong to each other and we would live together, we would dwell together, we'd belong together, we would eat together, we would play together, we would actually just live and dwell together as siblings, all of us having the same Heavenly Father. So we want to actually broaden our imagination and extend the expression of church and actually have in our mind that our Sunday services, even though it's it's a necessity, um, as I've always said, like our biblical literacy needs to um, go deeper and wider. Um, so we're always going to need that Sunday service, but the expression of our church needs to go far beyond that. And we are really praying that every person who calls New Spring Church will be on this journey. So we'd love to actually hear your, your feedback, feedback, how you're going with that. We've been talking about that for a while and um, really hoping that as a church, we can actually move forward together as the family of God, not just um, in um, Christian rhetoric, but actually as the family of God in a really faithful um, way in um, this world. Something that I really wanted to um, do with this podcast is to recommend resources um, as if um, like I did with the Lost Letter of Pergamum in the last episode. And uh, one of the reasons is because I personally found it is so difficult to actually find incredible resources in a plethora of stuff in Kurong and online. Um, so this is actually um, to actually help people in our church to actually come across and actually help them, resources that will help them in, the ch- in their faith journey. About four years ago, I accidentally stumbled across this incredible Christian leader. His name is Preston Sprinkle. If you've been to church, you will know Dave's been banging on about Preston Sprinkle for a couple of weeks. And if you do not know who Preston Sprinkle is, I just got you. You have not been to church. Um, but he's got this incredible podcast, which is called Theology in the Raw. And what he's endeavored to do is actually try to really engage with the LGBTQI plus um, community and um, really just get some dialogue and actually just bridge, um, open up conversations. Um, and he's... He, he talks about there's a point in his life where he was doing his PhD, he's been studying, and he was asking himself the question, why is it that a lot of Christians or the Christian community has not been loving to this 
um, other communities. So um, that's where his journey kind of started. Well, over the last couple of uh, months, he's actually brought a video course together um, with other exceptionally brilliant um, communicators and um, Christian leaders. Um, and it's about Jesus, sexuality and gender. And when that first came out, it was actually Nathan Sezzi, our youth pastor, who actually asked if we could actually look at it. And as I was going through, I said, you know what, this is the kind of stuff that we need to actually start talking about as a church and as Christian leaders. And um, as I, I, I got the course and went through it and I thought, you know what, I would love to go through this course with our staff um, just to actually get our thinking around the questions that are happening um, um, in the world today. Um, so what I what we did, we went through it as a staff and um, kind of made the decision that after going through it with the staff, I wanted to actually get some of the dads in our church and start going through it um, as well. And um, we've already got a couple of dads who are interested, but what I thought we'd do today is actually talk with one of our incredible staff people. Her name is Chelsea. She is sitting right here um, and actually get a little bit of her feedback as to um, what it was like going through it um, because sometimes this information can be a little bit intimidating so firstly I might just like um, let Chelsea say something because she's sitting right it's very <laughs> unlike Chelsea actually be quiet I'm being a good student I'm just waiting my turn you're waiting it's not like you to wait your turn <laughs> that's true that's true all right I'll talk up then um, yeah I really enjoyed doing the sexuality course I think um, these kind of topics are so confronting when you're a Christian living in the modern day world where um, ideologies and thoughts and ways of living are changing so quickly and you kind of work trying to understand how do I be uh, a Christian and follow the, the boundaries and the way of living that Jesus promotes but also within that there are ways of living that he talks about but there's also grace and love and how do you blend those two things together um, the way that Jesus would want us to do in this modern day context and that's what really excited me about this course is being able to um, explore that and get some answers and more guidance and clarity on how we can yeah. um, do that well. Yeah for sure because we haven't done it well. No. Um, I think that's something that we're all pretty pretty clear on. Um, I might just like th these are some of the topics that we actually went through in the course and um, just to let people listening know um, what it involved. So um, it kind of started off pretty gently, really. So it started <laughs> off with like God's love story, the authority of God in scripture. Then it started going a little bit deeper when um, they started talking about topics of like shame and forgiveness and sex and marriage, singleness and intimacy. Um, and then um, we started talking about things like pornography and masturbation. Yep, the M word. Um, I don't know if Christians are scared of like, that's a P word and an M word. So yeah. maybe they maybe we're a bit scared of those words. Well, these are all the things that take our Sunday mask off. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> let's do a sermon series on masturbation. Yeah. yeah maybe uh, not. Don't put me on that roster, please. No. <laughs> <laughs> then um, the topic goes into same, um, same sex sexuality, transgender identities. That was actually kind of a big one, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, LGBTQ questions. Um, and then it kind of like went, went down into dating and friendship and also touched on um, sex in the eye world and what it actually looks like to follow Jesus in this sexualized age, which we're currently living in. And even like I, I reckon, and, and the reason why I did sort of pause a bit on that, the M word um, and suggest a series is because there are certain topics here that we as Christians just simply don't 
want to talk about. Mm. Um, I don't know if we've ever wanted to talk about these the, these kind of topics. Well, uh, I think we we grade sins, don't we? There's some of them that we're like, oh yes, you know, I need to be more loving, or I need to, you know, not be, don't not get so angry, etc. We can kind of like. They don't seem to hit so hard, but we, I don't know if Jesus does this, but we seem to really grade those certain things like, oh, I'm happy to talk about these sins, but I don't want to talk about those sins. And I yeah, think, yeah. I think and, those sit in the those sins. That's right. And then we have the audacity to actually say, we believe the gospel addresses every issue of the human heart. Yeah. And so, so we say this and then we kind of turn our heads to the fact that these issues are actually enslaving and entrapping and actually causing the human heart to actually be like sort of like a silent cry it's like help, help. Yeah. and we don't really want to help because it's really messy messy stuff maybe maybe we as christians just sound like the mess oh so. definitely definitely we we're scared of our mess it's like we don't know how to handle it and um i think wouldn't it be wonderful to be in a church where um we actually embrace um, the mess of each other and know that you can actually talk to people and you can do life with people and know that that doesn't mean that you're going to be kicked out or lose your opportunity to serve or all these kind of things that we actually can be um, people and human. I yeah. think that that would just be, I don't even know exactly what that looks like, but yeah. I think that that would be just a dream, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, by the grace of God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so over the last couple of months, um, We've actually included a conversation about this course in our weekly staff meeting. So that's included yourself, Chelsea Horner, myself, um, Andrea has been here, she's, she volunteers, um, Brett Keogh, our executive pastor, um, and also Paul Gibbs, who's a, another one of our volunteer staff. Um, so like different backgrounds, different ages, different experiences, probably a pretty good um, snapshot, really of um, different people in our church. And um, are there any reflections as we kind of journeyed through um, that you kind of observe in our understanding or? Yeah, I think it was really interesting to see um, some of the different experiences um, of of the different contexts that we'd worked in or been um, environments that we'd been in outside of the church body um, or even the generations outside of the church body that we've that we've been a part of um, really had a difference in um, some responses and things that challenged us. Um, I know for myself, um, the, the actual like... Um, discussion of sexuality i come from the arts background so like when you're at university that's a very open free kind of um uh community so it's very fluid isn't it it very much so those that kind of discussion of different people and ways of life wasn't confronting for me for me what i really was wanting to grapple with was how do you be a christian and not be one of the bible bashing um, yeah, yeah. you know um, difficult people that just judge others but still um, stand for something and not fall for anything okay, yeah. um, in a loving and graceful way and um, I think one of the things that really stood out to me was um, one thing that Preston Spoonhorst reiterates over and over again not only in this course but his book Embodied which um, um, is the same topic was just um he was just talking about the, seeing the person yeah. and getting to know the individual person. And I found um, that 
that idea to actually not just address sexuality but address just address life is um, you know don't stereotype that person because of what you can see in front of you or your initial thoughts but actually go through the journey of getting to know them as a creation um, God's creation and and discover together because I think when you're seen and you're heard even when people don't agree with you yep. um, you feel acknowledged yeah and um, I think that for me is probably yeah. my biggest takeaway is yeah. like anytime you're talking to someone do not assume that you understand their journey get to know them walk with them before you start clarifying or giving your opinion and things like that um, do life first if yeah. you actually want to if you actually want to do life, yeah. do life. So, so in this course, there's like um, a myriad of different people. Mm. Um, there are obviously you've got theologians, you got um, counselors, um, you got um, people from the LGBTQI mm. plus community. Yeah. Um, and I think personally for me, there, there was just this real humanity. Mm. that was actually really brought through. And um, I think that's probably what you're saying, mm. um, that so often we can... I think that we can actually, like, like what you were saying, we have different grades of sin, and we can... We, when, you, when you class different sins or whatever that's going to mean, like, like as a church, we've been trying to break that open, actually talking about um, dehumanising activities and ideologies leading to chaos, and, and I think that's a biblical understanding of sin. But when we talk about specific sins per se, it's almost dehumanizing because we take the person mm. kind of away from that. Mm. Um, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that this community um, has been kind of asking for, and not just this community. I think at this present moment, it's something that we're all kind of asking for. So like, it's almost like we've got our hands up and say, oh, hello, like we're actually human. Yeah. You know, like we're actually people. Yeah. And um, I just found that this course actually brought the humanity mm. of people and the beauty of humanity and also just the real struggle. Um, I remember some of the stories in in this, um, what was it, one guy, and he's struggling with his um, sexual orientation. Mm. And um, he's in this context where, you know, you're not allowed to be gay and all that. And um, what was it? He was like like in bed one, one night or something and he kind of whispered just so he could actually articulate it, but someone, no one heard said, like, like, like I'm gay or something. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember that story? Yeah. It was yeah. heartbreaking. Yeah. 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 I, I found a lot of the stories like that, um, you know, one of the ladies spoke about how she was sitting in church and just wanting to hear guidance on how to deal with um, same-sex attraction um, but nothing was ever said ever in a sermon she ever heard from the pulpit, which said said to her like, "Well, the issues that I have don't matter." Yeah. Um, and I thought that one as well really stood out to me because it's like, gosh, you know, um, sometimes you don't realise what you're communicating by not communicating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and um, oh, there was a story of um, that beautiful young girl who did transition. And then oh, went yeah. to a women's camp. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, do you remember that story? I sure do. I think that church, that that church by their love and acceptance of that person, yeah. um, without saying anything about what's right or wrong of sexuality, yeah. um, brought brought her back around to discover God. Didn't they just by accepting and loving her? It was Absolutely. amazing. And what happened in that story is that, um, um, so she transitioned and, um, and for some reason wanted to go to a women's camp, which is just like 
what kind of thought is that? Yeah. So this women's community of faith embraced her, yeah. allowed her to come, gave her a separate chalet and all that. And in that meeting, she heard God. Yeah. And he said, what did he say? He said, like, um, my daughter or something like that to her. Yeah. And just changed everything. Yeah, absolutely changed everything. So um, then then transitioning back and just incredible stories. So, like, even for me, just sort of hearing stories like that, seeing stories like that, and the prayer which I have is that we as a church community would just have such patience Mm. and such grace to allow stories like that to happen. That yeah. people who are struggling with really deep issues that we there, there's so much mystery in humanity, you know. There's so much mystery, um, the brokenness of, of of all of us. There's so much mystery, but to actually allow space and to take on this 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 almost this spiritual weaponry of patience. Mm. You know, like Christians, I love talking about spiritual warfare. Yeah. Well. I think our greatest weaponry in a lot of times is just patience to allow a space and time for God to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We always try to get in there and speed him up, don't we? Oh. I'm good at that one. <laughs> <laughs> I always think, you sure you've, you know, come on. But, um, yeah, learning God's timing is um, trusting, trusting him, yeah. isn't it? It's, yeah. He's got this. Yeah. He what he's doing. We just, we just get to enjoy life with each other yeah. and learn from each other. Yeah. Um, and that was the thing, isn't it? I feel like I learned a lot about Jesus from these people's stories yeah. um, because in some areas, like their depth of theology and, and understanding of God was so much deeper mm. from their experiences yeah, yeah. than what I've experienced in, in different contexts. And I think um, um, so many of them stood so firm on the belief of marriage um, being a male and a female yep. and, um, you know, the same-sex attraction, even though that they struggle with that, um, you know, not being like God's ideal plan. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just kind of assume you've just chosen yeah, this yeah. way of life. But it's like, gosh, you're struggling with that. Just like, you know, I'm struggling with something else. And I think, as you said, it brought the human side back in, um, realising that these struggles are genuine and, and, and they're actually significantly common. Yeah. And we just don't talk about them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So um, as I said, like what I wanted to do was actually gather a group of dads. Mm. And um, I think it was actually on the daddy-daughter camp, which um, was your idea. Yeah. Brilliant idea. All the great ideas that happen in this church actually come from people other than me, which <laughs> is fantastic. Um, but I was just like, we, we actually had quite a few of our dads go, um, which was brilliant. And it was a brilliant weekend. But... I was just looking around the campfire and I said, you know, what? if I could actually just spend some time with these dads together um, and walk through some of this content, I think it would actually give dads in particular at least some tools, yeah. at least the beginning. Yeah. Um, because um, we, we as men, like a big generalization, um, we sometimes really struggle to enter into these conversations if we have no no knowledge yeah like it's almost like we need some sense of competency before we're willing to actually engage yeah um so um that's kind of the rationale to actually um try to give some tools to the dads of our church um we're going to be doing it at our um in our lounge room so that's going to be nice and i think that for a good 10 weeks or so just to be able to journey um with um with some of the dads in in our church and you might be asking, like, why aren't we just going straight to the teenagers or the young adults? And 
Um, the reason is, we as a church, we're not ready for that. No way. Yeah, no. We are not ready for this. And um, churches in general aren't ready. So the rationale is to start with our staff and from our staff to actually move outwards and actually start to have these conversations with the dads or some of the dads of our church. And then from there, we can actually branch out more and more and more. Yeah. Knowing that these issues are already present in our church, they're not about to arrive. They're already here. I already personally, I'm already having coffee and a dialogue with people with um, with issues that um, of, of gender and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it's already here. But in order for us to provide a safe place, um, it's that we need to start from our leadership and actually move out. So yeah. that was it. So um, even as like a mum and a, and a wife, um, how does that kind of sit with uh, look, the dads? I think, I think it's such a great idea to start with the dads. Um, you know, it's been very empowering for me, but to be able to go home and have this conversation with Matt where we can actually are both trying to work out how, you know, how does Matt lead this family well? How do I come and support him in that? How do we work together to have a strong foundation for our children that when they're going out and they're dealing with these things where it's constantly changing, it is chaotic and it is confusing, they can come home to a united front, I think um, is, is such a phenomenal idea. And, um, and I'm very big on um, empowering the men in our church to lead their families well. Um, and um, that doesn't mean that the women don't have an equal part in that, but it's, it's the way that God has created for the, for the guys to be able to go, hey, this is my family and I'm going to stand yeah. up and I'm going to be empowered to know how to protect and oh, grow for my sure. family. Yeah, for sure, because it's definitely like we're both leading together, but so often, I mean, the stories I hear, so often is that um, the husbands... Um, seemed to be disengaged yeah. from conversations. And I get that yeah. because, like I've said many, many times, if, if men can't win, men don't play. Yeah. Um, so this is just another strategy to help men get engaged in a conversation, which will actually bring um, some safety, some security to the house and then also to the church. Yeah. And in time, I'm hoping that we as a church will be able to um, really um, minister well in a Jesus way to this community they're so desperately um, crying out. So um, that's what we've been doing as a staff and that's what we will, uh, myself and some dads will endeavor to do over the next two to three months. It is called Jesus, Sex and Gender, a great course which has been helpful and insightful to us. And um, as you've heard from Chelsea, um, we've survived. So, Well, I think the great thing about it is it's not a counselling session. You're not having to go there and share your own struggles and challenges and lay it all out. You're actually getting empowered with knowledge from people who know in the field, um, you know, theologians who can understand this in reference to biblical context. So you're being empowered. Um, You're not having to um, necessarily... Um, have conversations you don't want to have, yeah. don't you think? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. it's well worth it, lads. Right, get so in there. Fellas, get involved, send me an email, and um, later on we will look to outwork this stuff in other um, groups as well. But yeah. um, thanks, Jules. No worries. Beautiful. been part of the new spring journey for us uh, for um, a couple of years you will know that we take a long time to go through sermon series and this year has been no exception um, two years ago uh, we only went through um, 
half of the Gospel of Mark, and I'm thinking about possibly finishing that next year. Um, but we took a whole year just to go through chapters 1 to 8 of Mark's Gospel. Last year, we went through the entirety of um, the book of Ephesians, which was exceptional. And this year, we've taken so far seven months to go through the Sermon on the Mount and um, 29 weeks, and we're still not finished. We've got about another month to go. And um, if you've been part of our church, I hope you've been able to understand the importance of understanding the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is a teachings of Jesus or a catalogue of the teachings of Jesus where he is articulating uh, what it actually means to live in this kingdom way uh, in which he is announcing. In all of the Gospels, Jesus is gospeling or he's announcing the breaking in of a brand new world called the kingdom of heaven. And we are invited not just to touch it, not just to taste it, but to live, dwell and revel in it, but also to demonstrate this brand new world um, to the nations. So there's a real importance for us to understand this new world in which we've been called to enter. And if we don't know this new world, we simply um, could be um, um, under the false assumption that we are followers of Christ and we don't even know who Christ is. So it's actually really, really important. And we're coming up to the pointy end of this sermon um, at the moment. And I really feel that it's important for us to really allow Jesus' words to really unsettle us. In fact, um, this last week, if you're at New Spring, I really made the point in both of our services that my hope and my prayer is that as we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount teaching, that these scriptures actually really unsettle us. That if um, there are um, moments in our, well, let, let me just say it this way. I think that Jesus is actually bringing us to a moment of sobriety. He is really wanting us to consider the way of his life and the way, the only way into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm really praying and I have a high expectation over the next couple of weeks, there are going to be many people in the life of our church who profess to be Christians, but they're going to have to rethink that. They're going to have to reimagine their life. They're going to have to reconsider their life in biblical terms. They're going to have to repent um, because uh, we, 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 we just seem to get swept into the tide of popularity and the tide of where the majority of people are going, yet Jesus is calling us to go to a different place. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14, which begins this last section, Jesus says, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate, only through the narrow gate. That just seems so offensive in a Western, modern, progressive 2021 world. Yet Jesus is talking about a world which is unlike this world. This is a, another world which is broken in. And he is saying that the only way you can enter into this new society, into this new family, into this new kingdom, is actually going in a way which is different to the majority of people. He goes on to say the highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only few will ever follow it. And this idea of actually going through a narrow gate, I think that um, most of us are pretty familiar with that scripture, but we haven't allowed that scripture to really unsettle us because narrow implies a couple of things. It implies that this gate is actually pretty hard to find. As Jesus is speaking in the imaginations of everyone who was listening at that particular time, their mind would have gone to um, Jerusalem and the avenues or ways in which to get to temple. 
And there were many gates around. One of the biggest gates would have been the East Gate, um, which is kind of um, featured in um, Palm Sunday as Jesus comes in on a donkey. That's a huge gate. It's a massive gate, but there are actually more narrow gates. And if you think about it in your imagination, if you were wanting to go to um, temple and you saw thousands of people entering in through this wide gate, you would assume that that is the obvious way to get in. And what Jesus is actually saying is that that is actually not the way. The obvious way is not the way. And he even goes on to actually talk about religious leaders pointing to this wide, popular, easy pathway. And Jesus is saying, no, that is not the way. The way is actually narrow. And the narrowness of this gate implies that it's hard to find. It implies that it's going to require an intentional exploration and an intentional discovery. Unless you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, actually take responsibility and take control of our life, um, we need to actually be really disciplined in order to find this gate. In other words, Jesus is saying that you won't be able to find this narrow gate um, by accident. That word narrow in the original language um, is actually brought out in the NLT as I read it just then. But that word narrow actually implies difficulty. And that word difficult is Um, The thing that we run away from in the Western world, everything in our world at the moment is about convenience. Everything in our world is about easy. We, we, We try to cook things faster. We try to get to places faster. We want everything easy. And Jesus says that the way that you actually enter into this kingdom of life, into this true life and this family of God is actually through a difficult um, path. This gateway, which is narrow, which is hard to find, it opens to a difficult pathway, and that's not something we necessarily um, like. Ironically, um, however, this narrow gate, this narrow path is not a lonely place. And I think that something that has been perplexing to experts and um, to the modern mind is that why is it with all of our technology, with all of our connection, with all of our um, genius um, and inventions, Why is it that we are such a lonely people? A couple of weeks ago, I was watching a, um, watching, I was listening to a podcast where an expert was talking to a church leader and um, making the observation that they had no idea why um, mental anxiety, mental health um, issues have risen or skyrocketed all over the world. This isn't just in Perth. It isn't just in America. This is all over the world. And underlying our Western culture, there is this epidemic of loneliness. And what he actually said is that um, one thing that can really combat this epidemic of loneliness, if there is genuine, true, real, faithful church communities, um, and that's the key, Genuine church communities, genuine church family, faithful church families to actually be family. Well, that would actually be a great um, um, antidote or a, a, a great defense against this epidemic of loneliness, which is running rampant throughout the world. Um, But if you think about it, in order to actually live this way or go through this narrow gate in order to be this faithful church family, it is going to require some discipline because it takes discipline to come together. It takes discipline to eat together. It takes discipline to belong together. It actually takes discipline to not only just rock up to a church attendance, I think on a church Sunday attendance, I think that's a bare minimum. Um, absolutely bare minimum, and we can't even do that. You know, just to actually put it in your calendar, say, no, actually on Sundays, for as for me and my house, 
we're going to go serve the Lord. That's actually a bare minimum. But to actually go beyond that and belong to each other, be part of each other's lives, to eat together, to get to know each other, um, I actually really believe that even takes more um, discipline to actually do that. Dallas Willard, when he's talking about grace, he said something which is so profound. He said, grace is against earning. You can't earn grace, but grace is not against effort. It actually takes effort to work out this grace in your life. And you may think, what kind of effort is that? Well, it's simply discipline. What is the hard path that Jesus is talking about? He's talking about discipline. That in order to actually be part of this family of life, this community of life, it is going to require that you and I actually put on discipline and actually ensure that we are together, that we belong together, that we are not allowing indifference to come in. If there is unforgiveness, we deal with unforgiveness. If there is conflict, we actually confront conflict and actually come together in love and grace and forgiveness and live together as brothers and sisters. So um, this entire Sermon on the Mount series has been really, really important. This is the ordering of God's people. This is the value system of God's people. This is the only way that you and I can actually live as God's people. And as we are faithful and actually coming together and being the church of Jesus Christ, not just a bunch of Christians, but actually the church of Jesus Christ, he comes and he dwells with us and we become communities of resurrection life who are just outposts of um, new creation in this present evil age. And through us, God um, dwells with us and through us, he is reclaiming what is rightfully his, the nations, and he is renovating this world. So if you've missed the last couple of weeks, make sure you get onto the podcast, listen to that. You may even need to go back seven months and actually listen to our entire series because this teaching series is so formative for us as a church. And um, I'm praying you're going to be with us this Sunday, this coming Sunday, this podcast will go out. This coming Sunday night, we won't be having church here. It's going to be at the Ryder House. We're going to be having baptisms. Um, and again, if um, really encourage you to actually put in your calendar, come and celebrate with us as we um, observe, as we watch and we celebrate um, people in our church being water baptized, bring some food to share. And if you need the details of our address, Andrew and I are not going to post it on Facebook, but you can email the church um, or email myself and um, I'll send that to you. Um, just contact myself either via my mobile, um, Facebook or whatever, and I will get that um, to you. But bless you guys. Hope you've really enjoyed um, this week's, uh, well, this month's episode of New Spring Conversations. It's been great talking with Chelsea. and I'm looking forward to chatting with some other people in the months to come. Bless you guys. And um, well, I will see you on Sunday.